0: Welcome, friends. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you in February of 2021 with another edition of Solutions Watch. And this week on the D program, we're going to be talking to someone that you have definitely heard from before, if you are at all familiar with my work, because he has been a guest on the Corbett Report many times in the past. That is Patrick Wood. You might know him as the author of Technocracy Rising or the uh, the, the uh, editor slash uh, web, webmaster of technocracy.news. Obviously, we have talked about the subject of technocracy many times in the past, so I will invite you to look into the Corbett Report archives for more links to those conversations and Patrick Wood's work generally with with regards to the issue of technocracy, which I note quite happily has become uh, at least be- more acknowledged and better understood in the independent media space i see more and more people talking about technocracy and that is largely due to the tireless effort of people like patrick wood ringing the alarm bell about the the would be governance system for the future if the technocrats and the elitists get their way but As always, as is the case with Solutions Watch, yes, okay, we understand the problem. And if you do not, please do look at our previous conversations, read Patrick's books, go to technocracy.news, get informed about what is really happening. But as always, the question is, what do we do about that? And I am delighted to see that Patrick Wood is also thinking along those lines and has formed a new organization that I would like to draw to your attention tonight. That is Citizens for Free Speech at citizensforfreespeech.org. The link will be in the show notes in case you need it directly. But let's bring him on to talk a little bit about this organization. Patrick Wood, thank you so much for joining us again.
1: My pleasure, James. I'm so glad you're doing Solutions Watch. I've been thinking about this very same thing I just don't have the resources or the talk power that you do <laughs> to do it. And you are the you are the energizer bunny of, of people who can actually talk and just about every conceivable subject almost nonstop. I don't know how you do it, but I'm glad you do.
0: I'm not so good at talking about basket weaving, but uh, as long as we avoid topics like that, I think I can do it. All right, well, let's get into tonight's topic. And as I say, citizensforfreespeech.org. I think people can get a sense of the direction you're taking this, just from the title of this organization. But let's, let's talk a little bit about your own coming to uh, the, found this organization. What prompted you towards this direction from the work that you've been doing documenting technocracy? Why move into creating an organization around Citizens for Free Speech?
1: Well, you can imagine I was watching the big tech giants very closely for several years now, and what they do, their behavior, who they're messing with, and so on. And In 2018, James, I, uh, I just had an, a, kind of an epiphany moment when I really saw clearly the collusion that was going on between these tech giants. Before that, it had been singular issues. You know, every once in a while, Facebook would ding somebody, then So, you know, then Twitter would ding somebody. But there wasn't any obvious collusion between them. But I noticed this. I really picked up on it big time in late 2017 and said, we're in big trouble now because they're ganging up together. It's bad enough having these these technocrat groups, you know, operating and kind of independently in a way, let's say, just separate from each other. But when they start ganging up together to, for a common purpose, that's another story altogether. That's really what drove me to to pick up on Citizens for Free Speech because I saw the First Amendment and free speech under a massive coordinated attack that was designed to destroy both. And these people mean business. I've picked up on that 45 years ago. These people are not shrinking violets. They're not you know uh, pansies. They have teeth, and they're using their teeth now, and as we've seen, history is now history, every month that goes by, since about 2018, it has gotten worse and worse and worse, and now it's just so blatant in your face, not even funny.
0: It really isn't, and uh, again, I don't think my audience needs a great degree of elaboration on this. I've been talking about it for over a decade now, really. Um, going back to Veracity videos and other platforms that were coming up at that time, I was telling people, please, let's get off YouTube. Don't give them all your power. Well here we are, and unfortunately, these centralized platforms have more power than ever to regulate speech online, which is increasingly becoming the only form of speech that's allowed, because you're not allowed to gather in groups. You might be icky humans spreading those icky germs. so. You 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 aren't allowed to speak in person and you're only allowed to speak online in the prescribed ways that are allowed by these big tech giants. So again, I think people are familiar with that problem. Just case in point, I was just banned from uploading to my main YouTube channel for one week because, oh, I talk about pandemics and I say things the WHO isn't allowed, isn't allowing me to say. Uh Uh-oh. So again, we know the problem. I guess... Uh, the the question is in how do we parse what the problem is, and then how do we create something to to go against that? And I suppose the first line of pushback that you're probably going to get along along the lines of the rhetoric you're talking about is these are private companies; they can do what they want with their platforms. And so, what are you suggesting the government should come in and regulate what they can and can't
1: allow on their platforms? You know, I don't I don't like government regulation. Just because I, you know, that makes me nervous because when the government shows up and the guy says, you know, I'm, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you, that never ends well. Um, but on the other hand, there are, I believe, criminal conspiracies going on today that should be investigated. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. I'm not a, you know, Department of Justice or anything. But it seems to me there's some really illegal activity going on and it needs to be investigated and prosecuted if that's what really what it is. You know, if somebody, well, let's just take the example of Parler, for instance, just recently. Parler was murdered. You can't call it anything else. And three, and one day, three different giant tech companies ganged up on Parler and wiped them off the face of the map. And in the meantime, they destroyed all the investors that had put money into Parler and all of the employees that were employed by Parler and all of the data that existed in there that belonged to the user, that was gone. And so, you know, between Twitter and Google and Amazon, they completely annihilated a company. This is murder. You couldn't get away with that as a citizen. I don't care what country you live in. If you you and two buddies, ganged up on somebody and went to the back room and said, yeah, I'm gonna get rid of that guy. What are we gonna do to him? We're gonna hang him up or we're gonna kill him or something. You would, if you, they would investigate, they'd find you and they would put you in jail for that. And they're not doing that. They're just not doing that with Parler right now. But this is the kind of mean-spirited, I think, criminal activity that's existing right now when companies like this collude together To wipe somebody off the face of the map, that just isn't right, James, any way you look at it.
0: It certainly isn't, and I think we can all agree on that. So the question then, again, is what do we do about that? And this is, as you say, one of these big questions, is the Department of Justice going to step in and do it for us? I'm not holding my breath for that. So the question is, what can we do to empower individuals to do something along these lines? Let's talk about the Citizens for Free Speech organization and what you're doing.
1: Right, And, and I have absolutely no hope that Washington can save us from this problem right now, and I'm just looking away. I'm not even. Wa- I'm not wasting any time even tracking it anymore. What we're trying to do is stimulate local activism again. The last line of defense, the firewall, if you will, is the city and community entity, the town, cities, community, whatever you want to call it. The entities where, where we have local sovereignty to execute policies through the city council, through the mayor and the city council, through county supervisors and so on. The county sheriff has some important role as well. But we have an opportunity within our communities that have been so infiltrated over the decades by Agenda 21 and 2030 Agenda Now and all the sustainable development nonsense, which is technocracy, I believe. Um, We can take a stand in our communities to get involved. They're the only people really left we can get our hands around you know, for accountability. And that's what we need now. It's accountability and transparency. Only citizens can demand that in, a, in any kind of a society. So although many cities in America have been completely compromised um, with this thinking, this woke thinking, and this global, oh, goody-two-shoes for the greater good, you know, and all kind of stuff, and climate change, and sustainable this and that, and smart growth. Even though we've been infiltrated, it does not mean that we cannot root it out from the ground up. I believe that's our only last hope at this point, is to resuscitate civic involvement. We're training people how to do that. We, you know, communications now has become a lost art. We're offering training programs to our volunteers to teach them how to communicate again in the civic arena. Uh, this is just an art skill that's been lost over the last 20 years completely. First thing in a conversation anybody wants today is just let's bring out the hatchets. You know, we're going to just chop them right now. And there's no discussion. We must bring civil discourse back in. And the framers of the Constitution, James, understood, I believe, very clearly, that communication is the is the, the watershed of all civil systems of any kind. The First Amendment is all about communications. There's five points in it. Every one of them blasts communication. There's no other amendment like it in the Constitution. But you have ex- freedom of expression of religion, which is, to them, was communication with God. That's a vertical communication. Free speech is communication between people, you and me and whoever, Freedom of the press is writing about it. Now in modern days, uh, you can say TV and media, radio and so on, you have the right to peaceable assembly. That all. What do you do when you assemble? Well, you talk, you communicate. Well, then you have the right to redress the government for grievances. Yeah, like, you know what? Washington, D.C. now has a, a, a stinking chain link fence with razor wire rolls on top of the fence 20,000 plus troops guarding the Capitol now. Who wants to go there and try and redress, get a redress from the government of grievances? I, you know, it's just, it's a crazy world we live in. But this is why I believe the First Amendment is under first attack. When communication stops, fighting begins. It's just that simple. This is, this is a truism. It doesn't need explanation really, but Everybody knows this to be true, if you think about it. Just think about somebody who's been divorced forever. I, you ask, well, what happened to your marriage? You're doing good. You know, I love both you guys, and what happened? Well, he stopped communicating with me. Stopped talking. Well, she froze me out. Every single time, communication stops, then the guns come out, or the knives come out, whatever. This is what's happening in America right now. I believe as a societal issue. The reason we're having so much conflict right now Is because the channels for communication have been destroyed. That's the First Amendment. That's why it's there. We need to resuscitate it if we're going to have anything to do with saving this country and stopping the slide into tyranny.
0: You know, you you raise so many important points there, one of which is absolutely, yes, when discourse becomes impossible, violence becomes the only form of communication that anyone can actually use to express their grievances and We don't want that because the government certainly knows how to deal with violence. Uh, and they will be able to frame it as domestic extremism and all of this, almost as if they've had this whole narrative prepared all this time and have been working to undermine basic uh, uh, basic ideas of free speech and free communication so that they could lead us towards this point where everyone is just immediately at each other's throats. You also raise the point, which I 100% am on board with, that local activism is going to be the front line and maybe the most important line in this entire fight because Exactly, as you point out, agenda twenty thirty has worked largely by ignoring the government the national government level and going for direct uh, taking over cities state states, counties working at that level and infiltrating from the ground up and that's exactly right you don't need an army of billion people to do that. you just need the people who are willing to get their hands dirty at the local level and do something to bring these issues to the foreground. So I think we can have the largest leverage um, with uh, relatively small manpower. You can do a lot at the local level because so few people bother to engage at that level. They're too busy punching the shadows on the cave wall that is Washington politics or national politics. So let's let's talk about an idea that I saw that you... uh, I I got the email. I don't know anything about this, but it was framed as training for citizen ninjas. And I'm intrigued by this concept. I want to know what is a citizen ninja and how does one go about getting trained to be one?
1: That is is absolutely great. I was looking to see if I have my citizen ninja book at my desk here. I thought I did, but I don't see it right now. Oh, yes, here it is. Um, (laughs) I'll hold it up for you. This is the textbook for our class. It's uh, It's called Citizen Ninja... Stand Up to Power, and it's by uh, Mary Baker, an activist in California. And um, uh, this is not about uh, ninjas that use swords and kill people and climb around walls and dark places and stuff like that. But the idea of being a citizen ninja is using the mental and verbal skills that you learn from this class to navigate through the minefield of the civic arena. You know, communicating with people, uh, you know, being discreet, using situational awareness, learning how to understand who you're talking to, what their level of uh, involvement is, whether they want to just fight with you no matter what, are they ignorant and so on. And it's basically a lot of common sense, I have to say, but Mary developed this class several years ago in California, and she's trained now over, personally trained in person before covid um, over a thousand people uh, using this this method, tremendously successful. The training was completely validated uh, by the people who attended, and tracking, you know, following up with them afterwards. Well, what did you do with it? Uh, you know, what, what do you do in your local community? And so when I met Mary a few years ago at a conference, uh, we just we just hit it off. I mean, it was just wow. You know, it's, sometimes you just meet somebody and you just like feel like you just belong together, right? So Mary is now our national director of training uh, for Citizens for Free Speech. And this is the training that we're giving people. And we want them to, we want to become verbal statesmen. And you know, that it, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of self-control. I, the thing about ninjas are self-control. I'm, I'm not a ninja. I never <laughs> studied nothing. I never read held a sword, but I understand that the, that the concept of ancient ninjas is self-control and being able to use the energy that you have available to you to a maximum benefit. This is what we're trying to do with citizen ninjas, stand up to power. It's very effective. Um, will it change the course of history? I don't know. But for the people that are, that are using it already, it's helping them and it's helping their communities. And it's not just a community too. Do you realize how many families have been broken up because of COVID? There there are bitter enemies now within families that used to love each other, you know, brothers, sisters, parents, children. It's absolutely insane. And people, I hear this all the time from people, I can't even talk to so-and-so anymore. You know, they were my best friend, they were, you know, my child won't even, he thinks I'm nuts, won't even talk to him anymore. This helps them to get back and rebuild those relationships and uh, hopefully get some peace back in their life.
0: You know, that that right there is an extremely important issue and one that may be underrepresented even in the independent media space where obviously we're talking about people's lives, livelihoods, their jobs, their businesses, their their ability to make ends meet. But the psychological trauma alone that is happening right now on a global scale is unlike anything I've seen in my lifetime anyway. And uh, of, of course, it affects me personally as a Canadian living in Japan. When will I ever see my family in Canada again? Under what circumstances? I'm certainly not going to go and be quarantined in Canada for a couple weeks in order to have the privilege of getting out to see my family for a few days. That's, that's not the way that's going to happen. So exactly. There's so much psychological trauma going on right now and people need to really think about how to deal with that on a number of different levels. So it's good to hear that that's one aspect of the way that people can apply that sort of training. So I understand you're helping to provide that training. Is this an online course that people can take through the Citizens for Free Speech?
1: We're doing it it live right now in a webinar format. And uh, we we purchased a large uh, capacity webinar system that allows us to do this. And, uh, you know, we kind of believe that doing it live is better than just doing it recorded because we, you know, it's not face-to-face contact. I wish we could. If if COVID wasn't here like it is now and travel isn't restricted, I would much prefer to have an in-person, lay. Hey, let's get together, you know, touch, feel, whatever, uh, and eyeball each other. I'd much rather do it that way. But this is the be- next best thing where we can get in a webinar format, let people... Interact and ask questions, and you know we can ha- give handouts and stuff like you would in a regular classroom. It works, um, and it's better than well, better than nothing, right? Is this what we have to work with right now?
0: Right. So let's talk about some of the initiatives that uh, you have done or have planned with the Citizens for Free Speech.
1: Yes, you will find uh, the Great American uh, Mask Ripoff uh, is one of our, our programs right now. We, uh, we believe that, that all, this whole pandemic thing right now is a violation of the highest order of the First Amendment. Uh, free speech has just been wiped out with these face diapers. Um, meeting, you know, social distancing just destroys the ability of people to meet. Government's telling churches how to run their business, you know, you can't sing, you can't wear a mask, you can't, if you don't wear a mask, you know, you're not supposed to hug each other, touch each other, sit six feet apart. Uh, this is just insane. You can only have 50 people in your church at a time, whatever. Um, all up and down the line, uh, this, whole pan, this whole pandemic thing is just targeted at the First Amendment. The only way to break this is to get people to rip the mask off. The We believe the science has completely fallen apart anyway on, on mask protection and social distancing. There's tons of studies out there now and tons of credible doctors who have spoken against it. And, the you know, the people that are proposing it now still are changing their story every two months. Why would we believe them that they can? Oh, we have the truth now and you can believe us now. We Didn't We screwed up 10 times in a row, but we have it now and we trust us. In this, you know, so we're, we're just we, we're trying to get those people who want to not wear a mask to not wear a mask and just start making a statement that you will not comply. We started the kind of the, uh, the, the philosophical thought on this several months ago, actually almost a year ago, when this said, well, a little less than a year, when this thing started to surface, that whatever role these people give us to play, we just will not play it. In other words, we, we will not comply. That's one one way to put it. But you know, it's like they're assigning roles to people in society, like people that wear masks. Your role is to wear a mask. You're a supporting actor now. You're on the stage, you're an incidental, whatever what do they call them, uh, you, you know, but you're out there on the stage, you gotta wear a mask, and this is your role. Just walk by wearing a mask. No, I won't walk by wearing a mask. And at this point, it's almost getting to the, you know, to the to the point for a lot of people. Whatever the government says to do, I'm not going to play that role. I don't care. It's just not going to play it. So, uh, you know, that's why we're trying to get people educated on, you know, the mask issue and and the the distancing issue. Say, guys, don't go along with this. It's absolutely, it's leading to tyranny, is where it's going. It's breaking down free speech, it's breaking down communication, it's breaking down the psyche, the human psyche. These are almost torture techniques that have been used in history. And this is breaking society down in ways that just can't be repaired quickly. So stop it. And a lot of people are, I have to say. So the Great American Mask Ripoff, we're we're holding peaceable assemblies on streets, uh, busy streets and cities around the country. Uh, we've made a whole bunch of signs and stuff that people are printing locally and they hold them up and, you know, Uh, You know this this person wearing a mask. This is not free speech. I'll send you some images if you want to put them on on the video. And uh, you know people having fun too in the process. I said don't don't, you know don't just stay on the local sidewalk. That's your right. Don't go into stores and you know hassle the managers and stuff. Just educate the people on the street. Tell them take the mask off and breathe, dude. Especially if you're wearing one in a car. (laughs) Somebody said on the radio today they saw somebody wearing two masks in a car by himself.
0: You can Stop. never be too safe, right? Um, yeah. All right. Well, I- exactly right. Uh, people, I think, for it's, – again, it's like a psychological operation being waged against the population generally right now. And I say like, but I really mean it is a psychological operation because, of course, they know that most people don't want confrontation and hassle and don't want to make a big scene or anything. So they'll – okay, a couple of weeks of wearing a mask and then it'll all go away. So they've strung people along for nearly a year now along those lines. I think a lot of people are finally realizing that until they stop complying, this will not end. It doesn't matter what injection you allow them to shoot you up with, they are still going to force you to comply until you stop complying. So you're going to have to stop complying, and then you're going to have to learn how to deal with those confrontational situations and hopefully diffuse them so that the people on the other side of it don't become your enemy, but your ally. And that's, that's right. what I assume the Citizen Ninja program is na- aimed at helping people to do mentally. Exactly. Right.
1: Exactly
0: and, uh, right. and as you say, you also have materials. I understand you have uh, cards and brochures and other things that people can hand out.
1: That's exactly right, our uh, our no mask card has gotten very popular reception all around the country. Um, it basically says on the front that wearing a face mask poses a serious health risk to me. Uh, this was written and, in part with, uh, in collaboration uh, with a, a very well known uh, neurosurgeon, board certified neuro- neurosurgeon that we know, of, Dr. Russell Blaylock, And he also graciously uh, created a brochure for us um, the risk of wearing a face mask for the healthy, especially. And of course, if it's risky to the healthy, you can imagine what it is to the sick. Um, uh, So, you know, we've been, oh gosh, I say shoveling. We've been sending these out by the thousands, tens of thousands now, and uh, people are still coming and buying them and stuff. We tell them, look, if if you just want a prop to make a statement, your appeal is essentially It's my body, my choice. I hate to use that term, but it really fits, right? My body, my choice. And that's all this is saying. Nobody has a right to force me to do something to harm myself. I mean, okay, what do you want me to, how about if I cut myself? Should I do that? Should I shoot myself? Maybe just get it all over. Uh, Nobody has a right to tell you to bring harm to yourself. Uh, Yet they are.
0: You can't spread COVID if you're dead, but they're not telling you to kill yourself. But hey, maybe they should, right? Because that'll stop COVID. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. is, I mean, this is the ultimate breach of bodily autonomy. That is the basic, most basic level of our freedom. And when they, they breach that, that's almost game over for humanity. So yes, I hope people understand the stakes here. I think they do. Uh, I, on one other note, I also note that you seem to have a, uh, an area for meetups for members of Citizens for Free Speech.
1: Tell us about that. We feel that's so very important to start meeting face-to-face again. And just, just, you know, the government can't stop you from inviting people into your house or meeting in a, at, even in a small restaurant or something if they're okay with it. People need to start getting together, James, and talking face-to-face. They don't have to be your bosom buddies. I mean, you know, if you just call a few people say, hey, you want to get together and talk about what's going on and figure out what we can do in our community here? That's how you build relationships. And we, we have to do that. Our th- This... This whole meme, and we haven't talked a lot about it, this whole meme coming down from the global elite is intended to break down society and break up relationships. If that's a role that they want us to play, we say no, not just no, but heck no. We're humans for Pete's sake. You know, Quit treating us like cattle on a feedlot. We're humans, we have needs as humans, and nobody has the right to block those needs. Just, like hunger is a need, for instance. Does anybody have the right to withhold food from you or to destroy the food chain? He said, no, they don't. I think back to the holodomer that happened in Eastern Europe where a whole population was starved intentionally by taking away the means of production of food, the, the farm equipment, the seeds and everything else. People just died in the spot. They used food as a weapon. It was one of the greatest war crimes in the history of our planet. It was wrong. This is just as wrong to deny a basic fundamental human need to people to function properly in society.
0: Well, again, I think people understand the stakes by now. If not, they need to get up to speed quickly. But once they do, I th- I know everyone is looking for things that they can actually do and ways they can affect their own local areas. Uh, tell people again about Citizens for Free Speech, how people can join, uh, what people can find at your site.
1: All they have to do is go to citizensforfreespeech.org and there's a sign up form right in the bottom on the home page. And if you read down through it, and say, yep, that's for me, I want to be a part of that group, just put your name in and you're a member. <laughs> um, being a member doesn't cost anything. We're not, you know, we're about free speech, right? We're not about paid speech. So, you know, people can join freely and stand with us. The first part and first most important thing is awareness to understand the problem. And then, you know, when you put your name on the line, and you're standing with us. Within the whole group of members that we have, we have uh, about 20% are, have volunteered to be volunteers active in their local communities. And anybody can do that in our membership. So a lot of them don't for whatever reason, but we encourage people then to become a volunteer get plugged into our monthly webinars that we have for volunteers, get plugged into different programs we have and, and, you know, get some signs made for yourself, get a group of people, go out and stand on a street corner and start, you know, telling people out there, hey, take the mask off, dude, it's it's not good for you. Um, So, you know, that's really all there is to it. It's nothing. uh, We have no magic program. We don't have a magic program. You know, AI-driven something or another. You know, to 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 socially engineer people. No, this is just you know. Let's get back to being real with each other and being transparent, and uh, and doing something in our local communities. And I would want to say too, a lot of people telling me, James, oh, I don't know if I can do anything in my local community. You know, that's just so foreign to me and whatever. I see you. You won't hear these stories on the media anywhere because they're censored. But there have been cities, for instance, um, that have banned facial recognition software, period. Boom, it's gone. There are towns, town councils, that have banned pre-crime software for the police department, boom, gone. There's one city in California that banned agenda 21 altogether. They said, we will, we will no longer have any policy in our, in our city that has anything to do with agenda 21. There's tremendous power in the local city council. And there are success stories out there. You're just not going to hear about them because, of course, they're going to censor those kinds of stories. And they will tell you, mm-hmm. you can't do that. You know, don't waste your time with that stuff. You know, you're just just play along with the global program or whatever. That's the propaganda coming at us. But we have a lot of resources in the local community that that need to be utilized. And every citizen has a role to play there. That's a, that's a right role to play. Well,
0: you're exactly right that you're not going to hear those kind of success stories trumpeted in the dinosaur media whose bread is buttered by the people who are seeking to suppress those kinds of stories. So that's what this type of uh, platform is for, to for people to express that. I would sincerely hope people who have those examples of something that's happened in their local areas, a success story, please leave them in the comments. Let other people know what what happened? What worked? What didn't work? How could it be used in other situations? Spreading that knowledge is so crucial right now. And I hope that Solutions Watch will be one way that people can get the word out about those kinds of su- successes as well. Uh, Patrick Wood, finally, finally, uh, we are talking to an international audience. I know you're based in America. You're concerned with the First Amendment. Do you have international members of this organization? Are you open to such an idea?
1: We actually do. We can't, uh, we can't deliver any material outside of the United States. But as far as support is concerned, anybody can put their name on the list. We're not restricting that at all. And <clears throat> I have to say, many other countries are struggling with exactly the same issues right now. And uh, you know, we, we we just can't we can't say we're isolated here in the United States. This is a global issue, a global problem. And it's affecting the whole world. It just kind of happens, the United States is really the last large populist group standing in the way of this whole thing. So they have special attention to us. But I personally have great empathy for other people in the world. And, and I have to say, our traffic to technocracy.news is almost 50% on any given day from outside the United States. That surprised me about a year year, year and a half ago that just starts going up and up and up. And um, so people around the world are paying attention to these issues. They have the same problems in their countries. They're wearing the face diapers too, they're social distancing. All these policies, well, you know where they came from. Uh, They they didn't come from just out of the cellar, you know, grandma's cellar. They've been around for a long time and they're being used as a weapon against the entire planet right now.
0: All right, well, let's do what we can to combat that. I'm very excited to see this organization coming up, and I uh, hope we can circle back to it in the future and get an update about how things are going. But in the meantime, I will invite people to look at citizensforfreespeech.org and find out more information and see if it's something that they want to sign up to. We're going to leave it there for today. Patrick Wood, thank you so much for your time and thank you for your efforts.
1: My pleasure, James. Thank you.